1: I am Lee Campbell. And I
0: am Tegan Natoli.
1: And this is This Glorious Mess, the mother's group in your ears where judgment is left at the door. Tegan, you're wearing a lovely cardigan. Ah, yes. I'm really
0: channeling my Barbie vibes. You know how Barbie's everywhere yes. at the moment? It's so,
1: pink and orange and cute and yeah. it makes you look festive. I don't know if you're in a good mood or festive. you slept. Oh, but you just look like or festive. festive, like alive, happy, healthy. <laughs> well, thanks so much. might be because I actually brushed my hair today. Oh, and you got your hair did. Yeah. Oh, well, that was nice to talk about. Thanks anyway, so much. Well, we with your cardigan, are a wonderful pair of jeans. Yes. And actually, today we're talking about Jeans for Jeans Day because it's this Friday. And so on today's episode, we have one of our wonderful listeners, Morgan Dougal. She's joining us on the phone to share her very unique journey as a parent of a child with a genetic disorder.
0: And as always, we'll be sharing our Nails and Fails. <laughs>
1: Morgan Dougal was just two weeks into motherhood at home feeding her baby, Nixon, when she received a call from the hospital. They told her to stop feeding her son immediately and come to the hospital as soon as possible. We're going to chat to Morgan now about her journey. So all babies have the heel prick test when they're born. And given we spend the whole pregnancy having test after test, were you even thinking about getting these results back?
2: No. I had no idea what was involved in the test. I mean, I had just popped a baby out, signed the form to agree to the test and never saw anything more of it after that.
0: Talk us through that phone call from the hospital and what they told you when you finally got there.
2: That will be forever burned in my memory, that phone call. I got a call when my bub was two weeks old so my husband had just gone back to work. I was at home alone with my baby. When they called to say, we've got your newborn screening test results, we need you to stop feeding your baby immediately and come straight to the hospital. And I said, okay, why? They said, oh, we don't want to say any more because we don't want to worry you and risk you jumping on Google, just get here as soon as you can. Wow. So, no, of course, of course I
0: wasn't worried, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that would have been the longest car ride of your
2: life, no doubt.
1: Oh, most definitely. So when you got there, what were you told?
2: Well, we arrived at the hospital and the neurology ward is in with the metabolic ward. So we had no idea what we were walking into. We just a waiting room full of highly disabled children. And then as we entered the room, there was a panel of five medical professionals sitting there to explain what our diagnosis was. And what was that diagnosis? A diagnosis of fetal chemonuria, also known as PKU, which means that our son's body cannot break down an amino acid found in protein, because if he has that, it will cause irreversible brain damage.
1: And so you're hearing scary words like brain damage. What was going through your head when you were given this diagnosis?
2: I was just on autopilot, just sort of
1: nodding and smiling and trying to
2: take in what I could, but it was, you know, very overwhelming. That we just heard, you know, lifetime mental disabilities if we don't manage this appropriately.
0: Given you had been breastfeeding exclusively for two weeks, I'm assuming you had to wean off. How was that?
2: It was incredibly tough because, yes, he was exclusively breastfed and then I had to suddenly completely stop breastfeeding and put him on to formula, which he will now be on for the rest of his life. Wow. And then once his levels had gone back down, his furrowing levels, I was able to reintroduce breastfeeding, but I had to use a stopwatch. So I w- could put him on for you know a minute and then had to rip him off again.
1: And look, we chat a lot about the mental load on this podcast. So what is your mental load like on any given day with tests and also such specific and restrictive feeding for Nixon? And what does feeding look like for you?
2: We test his blood once a week to make sure his levels are within range. So he's allowed to consume 11 grams of protein a day. So we have to weigh and measure everything he eats. And, you know, he goes to daycare, so they'll send me a photo of his lunchbox which will then determine what he can have for afternoon, see? And then that can determine what he has for dinner. So it's a constant running equation and, you know, figuring out from one meal to the next. I never know what he's going to be able to eat.
1: Yeah. And how old is he now for context? He's four. He's four. Yep. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: And so you just mentioned, obviously, with the daycare, you know, they send you updates of what he's eating. As your child gets older and you're not with him 24 hours a day how are you teaching Nixon about his condition
2: he is the most resilient little boy we've just had to really drum into him no no foods, and that anything he eats he has to check with me beforehand so I mean I am incredibly anxious about him starting school next year when he won't have eyes on him constantly but it's I guess having to be able to trust him and know that we've like he'll go to a birthday party He'll hit a piñata and stand back and let everyone run to get the candy because oh, he knows he's going to need it. Little cherub. He's very resilient and he's learnt and it's taken a lot of energy to get to this space.
1: Are there any physical signs that you can see as his mother that you can identify if a scenario occurs that he has had too much protein?
2: Not really. I mean, we can sort of judge by his mood if he's incredibly emotional or angry. It can evidence that the levels are getting a bit out of range and we can give him some more formula. But because we don't have access to, like we take a fingerprint test like diabetics do, but we have to send that back to the hospital Mm. and it takes 10 days to get those results. So by the time we get them, it's kind of redundant. So we just need to really be on top of it, which is the hardest part. One time he had an ear infection and I got sent a prescription to get him antibiotics. And I had to go through four prescriptions before we settled on a medication because all kids' medicines have sweeteners Mm. and he can't have sweetener either. And if I wasn't that diligent and checking it all, you yeah. know,
1: it would have really affected him. Yeah, it's more than just food when it, you think about and it. And, isn't it, all, it?
0: you know, when you're the mum, it all comes down to you, yeah. you know, like no one exactly. else is checking these things. Yeah, it must just be incredibly relentless for you. And have you mm. been able to find any communities and resources that have helped you and your family through this?
2: Yeah, we have an amazing Facebook community. Once a year there is a retreat that's held so all the kids can get together and there's a chef that comes to cook their special food, which is amazing to, to connect and share. But the Facebook group is a lifeline. If it wasn't for the members of that group, I would not have made it through his first year of life because it is just so tough. And how
0: rare is this condition?
2: Are there many people within the community? No, it's one in approximately 15,000 babies in Australia and New Zealand born at wow. PKU each year.
1: Wow, yeah, very engaged community. Unfortunately, you all had to find each other, but it's amazing what social media can do. It can do amazing things. I wanted to ask Are there misconceptions you get as a parent of a child with a genetic disorder? Is there judgment? Do people not understand?
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, to look at him, you would never guess that there's any issue in the world. And people go, Oh, so he's vegan or he's got an allergy. No, it's a lot stricter than that. You know, I carry scales in my handbag so that I can waste food everywhere we go. You know, I've been out to a cafe and he'll say, oh, mum, can I have a bite of toast? No, you can't. Mm -hmm. And I get, you know, the evil eye from everyone else sitting there. Oh, how rude, she won't share. (laughs) No, it's not not about that. It's, you know, really being strict and understanding because it's not like an allergy or anaphylaxis. We Mm -hmm. don't get an immediate response. It builds up in the brain and then it's irreversible. Wow. And has it taken
0: a long time for you to, I suppose, educate yourself on this genetic disorder and understand what it is you're actually dealing with and how to
1: yeah and also I guess emotionally like there's there's things that you have to do Morgan you know From mentally day day. and physically yeah. but emotionally how is it on you as the primary caregiver and, and obviously your husband as well
2: it's very tough I mean as you said you guys talk about the mental load all the time and this is a, a relentless like because we don't get a day off we can't yeah. say oh I can't be bothered tonight let's just order pizza mm. yeah we have to always be prepared no matter what we're doing there's no spontaneity whatsoever and it does it gets exhausting because it's a constant equation running the constant checking the labels the questioning and having that trust in other people you know I've got to rely on his daycare and know that I can trust that he's only eating what's in his lunchbox and not sharing with his friends and yeah and trust that he's telling me the right things and you know, when they call and say, oh, can you have an ice block? Mm. I've got to trust that, you know, it's an ice block that doesn't have sweetness. Yeah. And it's just constant anxiety.
1: We've talked about the mental load, the emotional load. Can we touch on the financial load? I can't imagine it's a very affordable journey that you're on.
2: Yeah, well, much of the food that Nixon and the community have to consume is stuff that is through prescription or has to be ordered online. So, you know, your average pack of spaghetti, which we might pay $3 at Woolies for, is $15 for us. Wow. A pancake mix, $25 for a pancake mix. Wow. So, you know, when we've got a four-year-old who's being quite fussy and decides, oh, no, I don't want pancakes (laughs) this morning, well, actually you need to eat them because they were very (laughs) expensive. You need to
0: eat every single bite of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And do you guys obviously have to manage what you eat, are you eating the same meals or can that even be possible? Or
1: mm. does
2: he want what's on mum's plate? It's a very fine balancing act because we try to cook food that is similar so that he doesn't feel too left out, but is different enough to know that he cannot have what's on our plate. So yeah. there is that differentiation.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Morgan, I think you're amazing. I'm never gonna complain about my kid not wanting (laughs) his toast ever again. As we said, there's a small engaged community of people with children with genetic disorders. What do you want to say to those other parents? What's helped you what can we do as people with children with not having genetic disorders? You know, what can community do to all band together and Mm. how can we help?
2: I think it's just making generous assumptions, like understanding that, you know, if there's a parent out in public saying no to their child that they might not just be mean, that there's more to it, and I guess it's just that awareness. I mean, every single child born in this country is tested for PKU but no one's ever heard of it. Mm. And I just think there needs to be more knowledge out there in community. Do it in the prenatal classes. Mm. Tell us what's going on. Well, Morgan, it's
0: so interesting you say that because until this very minute, like I I've never got thought three of, kids, yeah. I have no idea what that heel prick is for. Me neither. I had no idea. And you <laughs> yeah. just, it's funny. I've had three children and I've obviously given permission for the, for the heel prick, but I have no yeah. idea what it was actually testing for yeah. or what, the effects of that test could potentially be.
1: And that's why it's so Mm. important that you're chatting to us, Morgan. And I wanted to thank you for your time because you've educated both of us and I think a lot of listeners out there. And I just want to say we think you're the most amazing mum to the beautiful Nixon. So you're doing really great.
2: Thank you. Although it's one in 15,000
1: that are diagnosed with the disorder, one in 50 people actually carry the gene. Wow. Is that something that can be screened for genetic testing, preconception genetic testing? It can. Okay. Oh, Morgan, you're an amazing. Thank mom. you for sharing. Thank you for your time. Your experience.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Nailed it. You failed it. Tegan, I want you to start with your nail.
0: With my nail on a trail. So we went to Barbie premiere a few weeks ago. and That's maybe when I'm in like Barbie vibes, yes. right? But like. I really got a slap to the face. Well, it's almost like a backhanded compliment. I walked upstairs. My children are so used to me looking like a bush pig <laughs> that I walked upstairs. It was a Monday night, so, like, it wasn't even a weekend. They probably got the shock of their lives. But I walked upstairs, like, I'd done my hair, I had and makeup you had on. had, like a hot I pink had, lip. I had a pink lip on, like, all in the name of Barbie, you know. And Banjo <laughs> looked at me as though I was a Disney princess like a mermaid coming out of the water with sunshine beaming from <laughs> behind. Nipples. Yeah. And he goes, oh, wow. And my heart just dropped, like, and he goes, you've got lipstick on, you know. How, like <laughs> yeah. he's got, he speaks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He and does. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My love language is words of affirmation. Yes. So my son is just filling my cup. Like I was like, oh, my gosh, one day. I bet you he he'll marry someone who's like acts of service. So like he'll say all these nice things and yes. they won't care. Yes.
1: But I'm like, you can fill my cup any day. But so that's like, your nail. So well, is your fail that you
0: I'm norm- a bush pig every other day <laughs> of the week. Yes.
1: <laughs> you and every other mother in oh, leggings. Oh, my God. But I just, yeah,
0: I only wear activewear. My hair's always up in a bun, no makeup. And I'm like, wow. For my son to go, oh wow, at the sight of his own mother just putting on a bit of. But isn't
1: it effort. fascinating at that age that they, I don't know, that they notice or that like. And like, I don't know. he honestly,
0: I think I've said before how in the past he's like, you look so beautiful, mommy. Yeah.
1: And I was just like,
0: wow, like it's amazing how, you know, they really do idolize, you know, you as their mum. Yeah. Like they just think you're the most brilliant thing in the world.
1: Alexander started critique my outfits and be like, I don't like those pants. Uh, no, wow. thanks. I'm like, daddy told you to say that because it's not leather. Well, my nail and my fail are on one in them both. I have a little bit of a life update. We recently moved. Yay! We moved and the fail is just move, like moving, moving. <laughs> And they call it one of the biggest life stresses because moving.
0: But how great that you're not doing it because most of us and our listeners will probably relate to either doing it while you're pregnant or just after having a baby. Well,
1: I did that the first time. We purchased a house, at th- apartment at 38 weeks, and I moved with a three-week-old. Never again. So, yes, this yeah. was easier. However, Alexander trying there's a lot more stuff. <laughs> to- oh, my God, so much stuff. And, like, the whole secondary infidelity comes back up because you realise you've kept a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, do I take this to the new house? He's like, oh, a whistle I got at a first birthday. I have to keep everything. (laughs) That I, I didn't
0: know I had for the last four years. Yes,
1: and also I just really underestimated how discombobulated he would be because he's lived his whole life in this one place and All you just say we're moving. So we go to the new place and he's like, oh, this is cool. When so, do we go back yeah. to the other And I'm like, oh, no, no. This is not an Airbnb. Yeah, I yeah. said, so other people live there now. He's like, what do you mean they live in our house? And I was like, well, now we live in this house. So, look, it was a journey and I just, I think, as prepared as you can be moving is awful but my nail is we've moved and we're Yay. in and there's only those three boxes left of random chords and yes. stuff and new beginnings
0: new memories
1: now new, yeah, exactly and yeah look the nail is just that it happened and that I'm <laughs> not doing it another for another 10 or 20 <laughs> years but I, I also think for an anxious brain like me the anticipation of something that's like so much it's upheaval such it's yep. such a relief that it's over so that's yep. my nail is that like Oh, that thing on the horizon is done. You did a great
0: job, can I
1: say? You did. You came over one day and helped me. You were great. I was like, I'm tired. Let's stop. You were like, no, what is this box? This is going in the bin. (laughs) Oh, you were great. And you texted me the next day. You were like, ow, everything hurts.
0: My body's so sore. I was like a workout. The
1: week of moving, I did 25,000 steps each day. Wow. I know. So if you don't want exercise, just move house. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we are done. Thanks for listening to this glorious mess. You can get in touch with us. We have an email address. It's tgm at mamamia.com.au or we have the wonderful group on Facebook called Mamma Mia Family where we just chat about all things glorious messes. This episode was produced by Grace Rubray with audio production by Scott Stronik, and we will see you next week.